your family of faith. Amen? So touch your neighbor and said, I don't know, look for three or four neighbors and said to them, what God has for you, come on, es muy grande. There you go, some Spanish too. But you need to make the right decisions. Okay, now turn to your neighbor in the back. The one that always see if, if you comb your hair or not. And then say the same thing. What God has for you es mucho grande. Okay? Mucho grande. Muy grande. But you need to take to make good decisions. It's time to make good decisions, better decisions, buenas decisiones. So, there you go, more Spanish. Would you like me to go in Spanish? Yeah. Decisions. Decisions. We all make decisions every day, you know that? Even more, we do it at every moment. It's part of our daily life. Psychologists estimate that an adult, just like me, because yesterday I turned 34, yes, <laughs> makes about 35,000 re remotely conscious decisions each day. Look at that. 35,000 decisions every day. In contrast, a child makes about 3,000. There we see why a child doesn't have headaches or have to suffer migraines, but we do. 35,000 decisions each day. That's a lot of decisions, eh? This number may sound absurd, but in fact we make, look at this, 226 decisions each day on just food alone, according to researchers at Cornell University. Just food. What I'm going to eat. You know? That's the first thing that comes to my mind eh? every morning. <laughs> What I'm going to eat. What is for breakfast. So we take decisions all the time. And as your level of responsibility increases, so does the variety of choices you are faced with. So on this very day, you, you have already made many decisions from brushing your teeth or not, what to wear, what to eat at breakfast, coming or not coming to church. And you took the, the, the right decision of coming to church this morning. Where to park the car. Which chair to sit, sing or not to sing, give your offering or tithe or not, and the list goes on and on. Decisions. The Bible clearly teaches us that the power to choose or to decide is a gift from God. Say so with me, thank you, God. Yeah? We can decide. We can speak up. The freedom to choose, which in theology and philosophy has been called free will, is a crucial element of human dignity. We are human beings because, and one part of being a human being is to be able to choose, to have the freedom to choose what I want. You and I have been given a free will and a multitude of choices in life about what to eat, what to wear, what to purchase, what we believe, what jobs and careers choices we will pursue, how we vote, how to spend our time with, who we will date and marry. What we say and how we say it. Whether or not we would like to have children. What we will name our children. Who our children spend their, their, their time with. And what school they will go, etc. and etc. I'm so thankful to God for the decisions of my parents. Number one, because they got married. Number two, because they have me. And number three, because my mom picked my name and not my dad. <laughs> the name that my dad wanted to put or wanted to give me was Leonidas. <laughs> no, thank you. 
You know, thank you. <laughs> Remember 300? That guy? Okay, no. Leonidas. No way. I don't want that name. Leonidas Jenkins. Thank God, thank God, to my, thank God for my mom who picked Roger. So each choice carries certain consequences of or results, good and bad, or of, of greater or lesser impact. And the, this ability to choose is an incredible and exciting power that we have each been entrusted by our Creator. And for which we have an obligation to be good stewards of. So today I want to share with you, in the 30 minutes, four biblical steps to make better decisions. Would you like to hear that? Amen. Do you have decisions to make in your life in this couple of days, in, in, in this next week? Okay. So, please, uh, I would like to have all your attention. I have this message in my heart since this whole week, and I want to deliver it to you. But before we go through those uh, four steps, I would like you to know with me what it is a decision. So we need to understand our decisions. We need to understand the way we decide, the way we choose. Now, if freedom of choice is a substantial part of our, of our human identity, and, it's, and as the scriptures teach us, we have been created in the image and likeness of God. Amen? You believe that? Amen. Amen. Then God also makes choices and decisions. God also has the power to choose. And that's why we can choose. Because we were created at, at His image and likeness. So, of course, we must know first that God is omniscient. The Bible says that in Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, if there are decisions that you need to make, you know where to go. Or, or better, you know... You, you know who you need to go. You need to go to Christ. Because in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you need wisdom for the upcoming decisions? Go to Christ. You need knowledge? Go to Christ. Colossians 2.3 says this. He never fails. He makes no mistakes. One of the most powerful verses about God's love for you is Ephesians 1.4-5. Now, let's take a look together at these two verses. It says in verse 4, For He chose us in Him. God chose you in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. So today, my friend, you are God's love decision. Look at that. God thought of you long before time, before the creation of heaven, before the creation of earth. He thought of you, and He decided that you will be His son. That's great. That's love. That's love. He has loved you from before the foundation of the world, and His love for you remains the same. doesn't change. It's unchangeable and unalterable, everlasting. It's not this good news, my friend. The best known biblical verse in the Bible, we know this verse, is John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this Bible verse will help us this morning to understand where a decision comes from. A decision starts from an emotion. And the most powerful and strongest emotion is love. 
Do you remember that time when you fell in love of your wife or husband? You know, there were many things that you were willing to do for her or for him, right? Like Megan was willing to come to Argentina, change her, her style, of, her, her lifestyle and, and her culture and embrace a foreign, strange, weird <laughs> culture. <laughs> Argentinians. You know, she started drinking mate. If you don't know what is that, Google it. <laughs> it's a good thing. Try it on. That's how we get the revelation of the word. <laughs> Lock the door and drink mate and pray. <laughs> so she embraced a different culture out of love. So emo- love is the strongest emotion in the world. And God loves you. So because he loves you, he will take, he will take for you the best decisions. And the best decision that he could ever uh, take or ever taken was sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. So you are loved. Tell your neighbor, you are loved by God. God loves you. Yeah? God loves you. Those are good news. Those are the greatest news of all. So God decided to give his son in sacrifice for you and me. And we are, look at this, we are the result of God's love in Christ Jesus. You are. You are the result of God's love. Come on. You have to think better about yourself <laughs> because this is the way God sees you. He loves you. Now that we understand the importance of decisions, and before sharing with you these four steps, I want to share with you the process of a decision. So we know that now a decision comes from an emotion, and God uh, decided to give His Son for you, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, and that decision was taken uh, out of love. His love, everlasting love, unchangeable love. So point number two, understanding the decision-making process. Which is, which is analyze the emotion that led God the Father to make the decision to give His Son to die on the cross in our place. And in this single verse, John 3.16, we can see also the scope and development of, this, of the decision process. Look at this. Everything starts with an emotion. Say that with me. Everything. Todo. There you go. Todo. Comienza. Starts. Con. With una eh? decision. Decision. Pretty much the same. Decision, decision. Everything starts with a decision and everything starts also with an emotion. So there's an emotion behind a decision. Mm-hmm. There's an emotion behind every decision that you take, that you make. Everything starts with an emotion that comes from a certain stimulus. The way and a stimulus is the way in which I interpret and relate to an event or situation. For example, it's snowing. I said, it's snowing. And maybe some of you will feel happy. Great, snowing. I love snow. I can go and, you know, uh, play in the snow. I can build a snowman. Would you build a snowman with me <laughs> one day, Kevin? Uh, you know? Snow angels. Exactly. Let's do snow angels together. So that starts happy thoughts, right? A good emotion. But for, for other people, saying it's snowing and it has been snowing all night, means taking the shovel the next day, <laughs> cleaning the driveway, right? Shoveling the snow means work, means uh, bad weather, you know? So we all interpret different scenarios and situations different, differently. Et- etymologically, wow, I'm learning new words with this sermon. <laughs> okay? The word emotion comes from Latin, em- emovere. 
emovere. Which means move out, stir up, stir up. So when, when, when we pray, God, stir up our hearts, we're saying, God, emovere our hearts. Move our hearts. Hmm? Touch your neighbor and say, you need to move. <laughs> you need to move your heart. Okay? You need to let God move your heart. Emovere your heart. So the motion of the heart or soul generates a cognitive process called decision making, resulting in the selection of a certain course of action among different possibilities. I make a, that over there. We'll show you how, uh, how this works. Everything starts with an emotion. Secondly, out of that emotion, you will take decisions. So never takes important decisions or tra transcend transcendental. I don't know if that's a word, but it is in Spanish. Decisions when you are going through a really hard time. When you are going through a state of mind of depression, of suffering, of, of affliction. Just wait there. Please deal with your emotions and then take the decisions that you need to make. So emotion, decision. Then the decision will take you to action. And the action will, gen will generate results. That could be good or bad. It depends how you see it. So, now that we understand this, take a look at these verses. 1 Samuel 16, 16, 7 says, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. God gives importance to the heart of man. Psalm 15, 17, we see that God revealed to David that he will not despise a broken and contrite heart, a humble heart. That's, that's the kind of heart that I want to have. Do you? Contrite, humble before the Lord. Third, the Lord taught Solomon that above all else, guard your heart. Do this with me. Come on. Come on. And let's declare together, Lord, since this day, I will protect my heart. I will not believe the harsh words that come out from others. But I will believe the loving words that comes from your word, the Bible. I am what the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. My destiny is in this book. My destiny is glory and hope. And the Lord goes before me. I'll not be shaken. Amen? The Lord taught Solomon, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, your actions, everything you do, flows from it. And everything you are not doing also comes from your heart. So how's your heart today? Jesus said that out of the heart comes the words we speak and the evil thoughts that lead men to evil deeds. Everything, it's a heart issue. So let me ask you today, what is the state of your heart? What state of mind controls you? What is the emotion that will best describe how you feel right now? We need to be honest and, and sincere before the Lord. And if we're going through a hard time, a state of mind of depression, a state of mind of affliction, frustration, you call it. You need to come, hurry, come before the Lord. Because if you don't deal with that, if you don't take responsibility over your heart, over your life, you will continue taking bad decisions. And then you will claim to God, God help me. 
Help me to pick up the pieces. And God said, I don't want you to go this way anymore. Put me first. And I will lead you. I'm your helper. I'm your compass. I'll go before you, not behind you. I'll go before you. The Lord needs to go before you. He needs to lead your way. So we need to deal with our heart first. Number three. We need to understand the emotions of the flesh and the emotion of the spirit. Do you know there are emotions of the flesh? And there are emotions of the spirit? Which one would you like to have? The spirit, right? Amen. I'd like to have the spirit, the emotions of the spirit. In the 1970s, listen to this. Various studies in the field of psychology determined that all human beings have six types of primary or basic emotions. All of us have these emotions. Number one, surprise. That's an emotion. To be surprised. Number two, anger. Number three, disgust. Number four, fear. Number five, sadness. Number six, happiness. Personally, I believe that God did not create us with some of these emotions. I don't imagine God created me with anger, disgust, and fear inside of me. That's, that was the result of the fall. That was the result of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God didn't, didn't, didn't create us with anger, with disgust, with fear, with sadness. Even more, for example, the first mention of the word fear in the Bible occurs immediately after the fall of man and not before. And in a context of disobedience and, and sin. Take a look at Genesis 3.10. It says, he answered, I heard you in the garden, God. Adam speaking to God. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Tuve miedo. In Spanish, because I was naked, so I hid. Immediately after having eaten the forbidden fruit from both Adam and Eve, were surprised to see themselves naked. They were surprised. Verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized, and if you go to the Hebrew, you will, you will notice that it's speaking about an emotion. They were surprised. Come on, we're naked? What? What is this? We're naked? We never realized this. They were surprised. And this occurred after the fall. And if we continue to study and interpret Genesis 3 and 4, we can identify the rest of the primary emotions manifesting in both Adam and Eve, including the momentary happiness they enjoy. They were happy for a moment when, when, when they were happy with their children before Cain killed his brother Abel. We see all these emotions in them. If we accept that these emotions are the results of the original fall, then with what emotions did God create us? God created us with emotions of the spirit, not the emotions of the flesh. Being the first of these emotions, love. God's love drives away the fear that dominated our lives and decisions before Christ. God's love. That's why it's crucial that you get to know God's love this morning. That's the most powerful emotion. And God's love will take you out of any situation or circumstance that the devil tried to put you in. Amen, brother. You preached 1 John 4.18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But you and me, we have been made perfect in love through Jesus Christ. Amen. In his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul enumerates the various parts of, of what the Bible reveals as the fruit of the Spirit. Look, fruit. 
takes you to the Genesis to understand the context. Speaking about something different. Speaking about something that will, will come to your life and you will never be the same. Is the life of the Spirit. And that Spirit inside of you has a fruit. And He's expecting you to eat this fruit. This is the fruit that Adam and Eve were supposed to eat. But they decided to go through, uh, the, the, go after that other, other tree in the garden, the forbidden tree. And now we're living, the, their decision is still impacting on us. And look at this. Your decisions now will impact the life of your children and will impact the life of others. We need to understand this. It's important. So we have a different fruit to take. And say with me, Lord, I want the fruit. Amen. You want to eat that fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, but this fruit of the Spirit is love. Number one. Love. Are you catching this? Love goes first. It's the strongest, the most powerful emotion of all. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Can you find in your life and character these spiritual characteristics? How do you treat other people? I'd like to ask you that this morning. Do you show to them the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are they, are they seeing love in your life? The, lo- the love of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit wants to control, direct, and guide our lives. He wants to develop in you this spiritual emotion so that, so that you may, may have abundant life and peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 9. The apostle Paul describes the life of the spirit. And this is the life that God is calling us to have. Remember a couple of sermons ago we were talking about transformation. So to be transformed means to stop eating the fruit of the, the battery needed. And stop eating the fruit of the flesh and start eating the fruit of the spirit. Start living the life of the Spirit. And it says in Romans 8 verse 5. Apostle Paul says. Those who live according to the flesh. Have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit. Have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Do you want life and peace in you? What we need to do. Let the Spirit control your life. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Hmm. When I preach the word, there will be opposition. The enemy will be like, no, don't listen to that guy. He has a funny accent. He missed a lot of words. (laughs) That's all right. I I can miss a a lot of words, but God will never miss his word. And the, the enemy, if you are living a life lead and guided by the flesh, you will have all those thoughts. You will be hostile to God. But here's another way of living. The life of the Spirit. It says, verse 7, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it those who, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And this is alarming, brother. Do you have the Spirit of Christ? Then people need to see the fruit. 
people need to see the fruit. Because remember that the devil is the father of all lies. And he wants to lie to you. He wants you to believe that you have the Holy Spirit and that you have Christ. But you're not showing Christ. How we show Christ? Through our actions, through our emotions, through our decisions. So, this morning, the Lord is dealing with our hearts. And I'd like you to say with me this. Come on, let's open our mouths. Because the Bible says, the word needs to be... It needs to be in our hearts, but just like God said to Joshua, it needs to be in your lips too. From today, I will live the life of the Spirit. And I will feel the emotions of the Spirit. I will do what the Spirit tells me to do. And I will speak what the Spirit Wants me to speak. Amen. There's power in what you confess. God has great plans for your life and your family. But for these plans to take place. You have to take action based on good decisions. That you should be driven by the spirit that lives in you. So now you're ready. Now we have understood where our decisions come from. We have dealt with our heart. We have deal now, we understand now that we need to embrace this life of the Spirit, to have the emotions of the Spirit, not the emotion of the flesh. So now comes four practical steps. Number one, keep your faith strong and your vision clear. Come on, keep your faith strong and your vision clear. Without faith, the Bible said, it is impossible to have a personal relationship with God. It is impossible to please God. And without a relationship with God, it is very likely that you and me will end up making bad decisions. Also, we need to know that faith is the key to victory over any situation and difficulty that we may face in our lives. Look at this. 1 John 5.4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world of faith. Take a look at that verse. Wow. This is the victory. What is the victory? Our faith. Victory is yours. Nobody can take it up for you. Nobody can come and try to, to take that from you. It's yours. It's your faith. Now, the enemy, he tries to come and weak and steal our faith. All the plans of the enemy, all his strategies and attacks against you are intended to try to weaken and steal your faith in God. You know that? One of Satan's main weapons against your life is fear. There's many decisions that you need to take, that you need to make. And it feels like you can't make those decisions because you have been dealing with fear and doubt. Fear and doubt. That comes from the enemy. Fear and doubt. God, those two things, those two elements, those two spiritual elements come always from the enemy. So in Luke 22, 31, 32, Jesus said this. Remember the story? It was uh, the, cru- the crucial final moments of Jesus' life in this earth. And he asked for prayer to his disciple. But this sweet Jesus, he's also praying for them. I have this, those good news for you too. Jesus knows. Jesus 
Like he's praying for you. Are you going through a hard time? There's someone that is constantly praying for you. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Always praying for you. He will not give up on prayer. It says, Simon, Simon. And now put, put your name there. Roger, Roger. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Satan has to come and ask first. Because he can't come and touch a son of God. Don't be afraid of demons. Or don't be afraid of the devil. If you are a son of God, he can't touch you. First John says this. We have, he's defeated by the blood of the Lamb. He's defeated by the cross. He has been defeated because the tomb is empty. And our Lord is risen. He's defeated because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. So whenever he wants to try to touch you, he can't. He has to ask permission. Now come, now take a look at this. He will come anyways. You know that? He will come. Maybe some of you are dealing with this right now. You feel like the devil is knocking your door every morning. But here comes Jesus and he's praying for you. And he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I come in the name of Jesus to tell you this. Your faith will not fail. You will have succeed. You will not fail. Why the enemy is after your faith? We just read it. Because your faith is the key to your What the enemy wants from you. He doesn't want your money. Do you think that the devil wants your money? <laughs> What? He doesn't need your money. Do you think that the, the enemy, I don't know, is, is after your house? Or your material possessions? He doesn't need that. But he's after something that he can't get anyone else. He's after something that he knows if he takes that from you, you will fail. He's after your faith. So you need to keep your faith strong. Because Jesus is praying for you. And Jesus said to Simon that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Fear is the opposite of faith. God wants us to walk by faith and Satan wants, wants us to walk by fear. Which one would you choose today? You want to walk by faith or you want to walk by fear? Amen. Fear attracts defeat. Faith attracts victory. Fear paralyzes. Faith mobilizes. Now, now let, let, let me ask you this. What would you do if you were, weren't afraid of anything? What would you do if you weren't afraid of anything? Now, take a look at your life. And for a moment, take away the fear of everything that you're going through. Everything. What would you do? If you weren't afraid of anything. I'm pretty sure that the answer would be. Everything. I'll do everything. Right? What's the key then? Faith. Strong your faith. Come on. Ephesians 6. Oh man. We can go through all day through this. Ephesians 6 says. That the shield. In the armor of God. We have a shield. Right? That is the shield of what? 
There you go, faith. So it's your shield. Come on, don't be afraid. Overcome fear with the faith that God has placed in you. Amen? Now open your mouth and say, Lord, I take today the shield of faith. Amen? And now say with me, now, in the name of Jesus, I drive away the fear that have tried to overtake me through God's love. Amen? Come on. Amen. You know that you have a sword too. What is the sword? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What good would be if you have the sword and you don't use it? Oh, but I know I have a sword. And I know the sword pretty well. It has 66 books. It was written in a, in a, in a time lapse of over 1,300 years. By over 40, 40 different writers. Good theology, man. But what's good? What, that doesn't help you in anything. You need to use the sword. How do you use the sword? Speaking. This is the thing with the Christians. We don't like to speak. And when we are going through difficulties and troubles, we just close our lips and just suffer. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. Because in my body I'm bringing the scars of Christ. We we said to ourselves, while well, we have the sword of the Spirit and we don't use it. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that needs to come out, out of your lips, out of your mouth, just like Jesus did in the desert. That's how He defeated the devil. Speaking the Word. You have to speak the Word. You have to open your, your lips and speak the Word. And growing in faith will help you keep your vision clear in life. Keep your eyes on Jesus, just like the book of Hebrews says. And he will take you to the other side. Point two. Seek direction in God and recognize and accept his times. We need to give God total control of our lives. We need to let him move, move us to where he wants to take us. Now Jesus explained to Nicodemus. That all who are born of the spirit. Those who have, be, who have experienced a new birth. And now live for God. Are moved by the wind of the spirit. You are moved by the wind of the spirit my friend. And if you are not being moved by the wind of the spirit. Be careful. Because that ship will crash. You need to be moved by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to take control. Needs to guide your decisions, your life. Both in the history of Israel and in the history of the church. We see God being the compass of His people. You have a compass in this time of decision. You will not fail. You will thrive. And that compass is the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Lord. Look at this in the Old Testament. Book of, book of Exodus chapter 40. 36 and 37, it says, Now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, let's take this to our, to our days, through the lens of the New Testament. That's how we read the Old Testament, through the lens of the New. Okay? That's good her hermeneutics. According to the New Testament, the tabernacle of God, it's our body. It's us. Amen? Come on, touch, touch your chest and say, I'm the tabernacle of God. Oh, yeah. And there's a cloud over me. It's the cloud of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now touch your neighbor and say, Neighbor, you are also tabernacle. 
Touch other neighbor and say, you're a tabernacle. We are God's tabernacle. Now, take a look at this. Now, whenever the cloud that represents the Holy Spirit in Hebrew, the Shekinah, lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel will set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. Two questions for you this morning. What moves your decisions? And number two, what cloud are you following? Because there are many clouds around you. And we can put them names. The cloud of fear. The cloud of doubt. The cultural cloud. The peer pressure cloud. Depression cloud. What cloud you're following. You need to look up. Because above you there's a higher powerful cloud. It's a cloud of the presence of the almighty God. Holy Spirit is upon you. The cloud of God is upon you. Follow that cloud. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit directing the footsteps of the church. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 16, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. That, that seems shocking. The Holy Spirit preventing that we speak the word, that we preach? Yes. Because it is not when you want it or, or how you want it. It's where he wants it. So this is also a good word, you know, for, for who? For those, for, for, for those of us who have relatives or friends who haven't known Christ yet. And we are like, okay, when they will become Christians? Okay, don't worry. God's timing is perfect. And this is the word for your children. God's timing is perfect. Don't be impatient. Okay? Amen? Verse, I don't want to... I don't want to go to, to other message. Verse 7. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now God is a God that opens doors. Amen? Amen. But also a God that closes doors. We pray for open doors. Amen? But at the same time, God is saying, there are some doors that I need to close in your life. So let God do it. The next verse says, so instead they went on through Mysia to the, to the seaport of Troas. That night Paul had a vision. Oh, glory to God for visions. Amen. You need to have a vision in your life. What's your vision? Paul had a vision of God. A manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It speaks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is, is, is the gift of discernment and knowledge and wisdom. My friend, ask the Lord, Lord, give me that gift. I want to discern what is good for me. I want to know your way. I want to know your perfect will. And I want to follow it. So then it says, 
That night, Paul had a, a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And this is where God wants to take you. Doesn't matter what is your situation or your circumstance, God is transforming your heart, God is transforming your spirit, and He wants you to be a blessing to others. There's a time where God is saying, oh, come, come on, stop asking for blessing and ask me to transform you into a blessing for others. There is a time when we ask God, listen to our prayers. And then God says, I want to transform your life. And you will be the answer to somebody else's prayers. God wants to use you. Just like he did with Apostle Paul. So we decided to leave for Macedonia once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. They obey immediately. So it's not how you want it, it's how God wants it. It's not when you want it, it's when God wants it. It's not what you want, it's what God wants. It's not what you plan, it's what God plans. It's not what you say, it's what God says. Here, my friend, is the key to submission and obedience. Number three, listen to God, seek His advice and wisdom. The Bible says clearly in, in, in the book of James that we need to seek God's wisdom first. It says, do not seek the wisdom of the world that is, this, that, that is as described by James, earthly and spiritual and demonic. Do not go after that wisdom. But seek the wisdom that comes from heaven that is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considered, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Also, if you seek the wisdom of God, He promised that He will give you direction and light in every decision that you need to make. Book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in God. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. There's something interesting in the way of Jesus' pray. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, God Himself, 100% man, 100% God. He prayed like this, your will be done, not my will. Being honest with ourselves, how many of us pray like that? And we come before the throne of God and we reclaim our rights. And we say, this is what I want and this is how I want it. And it has to be in this perfect time. It has to be like this because I know what's best for me, God. But God says, no, 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 my son, don't pray like that. Pray like my son, Jesus. Put me first and ask this, your will be done. We need to let ourselves be led by God. Also, seek His counsel in prayer and meditating in His Word, but also seek the counsel of His servants, men and women of faith and integrity. We need to partner. Remember, last, last Sunday we, we speak about this, the power of association. We need to also seek counsel. The Bible says that in the, in the, um, the, the biggest number of counselors that we have, we will find what? Security. Book of Proverbs, right? So, Partner with someone, someone that you trust, someone that is spiritual, someone that has faith, someone that has a life of integrity. And in prayer before God, also, we need to think of, of our possibilities, analyze the consequences of our decisions, calculate the cost, like Jesus said, and plan our future steps of actions. Last point, and we're closing here. Trust in God and obey His voice. Hmm? Trust in God and obey His voice. When you have already sought Counsel and direction in the Lord, when you have sought counsel from other spiritual brothers and sisters in the faith, when you already feel the peace of the Spirit as to the decision you must make, you feel all this, and that's perfect, then in obedience and with conviction. 
The word conviction means with faith. If you're going to take a decision, if you're going to make a decision, make it with faith, not out of doubt. It says, make the decisions that God is leading you to take. And also, my friend, don't delay your decisions, but don't rush them neither. Amen? Don't delay your decisions, but don't rush them neither. God's timing is perfect. Know the season you're living. What's your season? Book of um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 speaks about different seasons in life. What's the season of your life right now? Maybe you're going through a season of growing. Maybe you're going through a season of, well, trials. Why not? Know your season. But keep your faith and vision clear and strong. Also realize that postponing a decision and doing nothing is also doing something. You will have consequences for not taking the decisions that you need to make at time. You're seeing that your children are not behaving and you let them be like that. That's all right. All the children are like that. I don't want my children being like all the children. I want my children to be like the Bible says. So you need to take, you need to make the right decisions on how you raise your children. But you need to, de- but you need to, to make those decisions on time. On time. Come on. On time. If not later, we will be like hundreds of parents asking God, have mercy of my children. And at a time, this, this is what the Holy Spirit brings to my heart. The book of Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter 1, chapter, chapter 2, I think, or 3, speaks about a man, Eli, or Eli. Eli, thank you. <laughs> Eli, 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 whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know the man. He was a really chubby guy. He used to sit in the, at the door of the temple. And he had two sons. And those sons, they were also priests, but they were terrible. They also, they used to steal from the offerings. They used to eat uh, the food that the people will, will bring for sacrifices. They will, they have a horrible life. They will, they will fornicate. They will not honor God at all. And Eli, he needed to make decisions about them Right away, even God sent a prophet to tell him, Eli, if you don't make a decision about your children right now, I will cut you and your whole family from my priesthood. What happened to Eli? He said, ah, they're my children, that's okay. No, nothing will happen. The whole family was cut down. Make decisions on time. Then, Late obedience, my friend, ends up being disobedience. This is all the problem that we have, Christians. I know what to do, but I'm not ready. Come on! Stop lying to yourself. <laughs> I'm not ready to take the step. I'm not ready to take the decision. When are you going to be ready then? What, is, what cloud is moving you? When, when are you going to be ready then? You need to make the decision now. Late obedience is like disobedience. And finally, do not let doubt or fear stop your decisions. Let God light your steps and move forward. And this is the word that the Holy Spirit put in my heart this week to give to you. Job 22, 28. And after this, we're going to pray. Job 22, 28 says, You, my friend, you will decide on a matter. You will have to make a decision. You will decide today. There will be some things that you will have to wait. That's all right. But there are some 
decisions that you need to make today. And I don't know what it's your life or what is going on in your life right now. God knows. And he brings this word to you. You will decide on the matter. And it will be established for you. That means it will be firm. This is God, what God is telling me. This is God, what God had put in my heart. Of course, before of all this, you have seek His face in prayer, in meditating His word. You will seek His counsel, and you will seek the counsel of His servants. And you will, and you will have peace in your heart. But you can't delay your, your decisions. And then the, the verse says, And light will shine on your ways. And you know what is the light? It's the light of the glory. It represents the glory of God being displayed in front of you in all the decisions that you're making. That's the way to make better decisions. I like to pray this morning. I don't know if you want to pray with me. Amen? Please close your eyes and think about what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we pray that you come. And you come and fill this place with your glory. Oh Lord, take away from us the clouds of doubt and fear. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we stand together. We stand, we stand firm in, on your word. And Lord, may your light shine upon us. Come on. God, come. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your glory. Bring your cloud. Mm, your cloud upon our lives, upon our families. I see that many of us are struggling with our children. And we have been uh, captive by fear, by doubt about them. And God is here to tell you, I have, a, I have this cloud that I want to release upon the life of your children. It's the cloud of my glory. Because the book of Joel chapter 2 says that your children will prophesy. Your children will see visions. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Many of us, we have so many decisions to make. But God is first. And God will lead you. God will, God will guide you. In the name of Jesus, come on, talk to him. And say, God, I put before you my decisions. Take this opportunity to bring before him your decisions. Come on. All those decisions that you have been struggling with. If you have feel uh, the grip of fear or doubt in your heart, this is the time to be set free. God is here to set you free from doubt. God is here to set you free from fear. You will walk in the power and the authority of the anointing. And you will walk in faith. And I declare and I prophesy over you that God will go before you. And that God will be upon you. And that God will take care of your past. In the name of Jesus Christ, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is calling you to face giants. God is calling you to speak to the rocks. God is calling you to speak to the mountains. And you will see the glory of God in your life and family. But you have to trust Him. Trust the Lord in all your ways. Put all your words before Him and He will take care of you. God is a good God. He's a good Father. He loves you. It's the power of love, God. His grace. Hmm. So 
great. It has no end. If you have been struggling with your past and you have been struggling with bad decisions that you may or, or may not um, could, could take before and, and now you, you feel afraid of those decisions and you know that they were bad decisions, God is here to tell you, I'm here. I'm here to fix your life, to fix your heart. I'm fixing your heart. Let me do it because you have the key. And the key is called, has a name, is faith. The key to your heart is faith. Put your faith in God. Believe in Him. He's doing a great work in you. Heavenly Father, we come before you, seeking your face because we need you. We need your guidance, wisdom, and understanding for all the decisions we must take, we must make. Help us to overcome the fear and the doubt. That want to stop us. In the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke the spirit of doubt. That have tried to to hold on you. Hmm. Has no authority. Has no authority. By the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Has no authority. No. Not anymore. Not anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ. You are free. In the name of Jesus Christ. Of any fear. Of any doubt. You are free. The enemy has no authority over you because you are children of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be free of the grip of fear. Be free of the grip of doubt in the name of Jesus. And make your decisions in God because God is with you. Lord, help us to make better decisions. Decisions directed by your spirit that lives inside of us. We ask that the fruit of the Holy Spirit become evident in our lives much more. We ask you to align our plans according to your perfect and sovereign will. Today we declare what the psalmist said in Psalm 33:11. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. Lord, today we decree that heaven is in our favor. That your blessing is behind us and will reach us. We make the decision to advance in faith. To grow and prosper. Because we trust you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And today, I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I prophesize over you that the, that the thoughts of peace, blessings, and security that God has of you will flood your mind in this hour. And that the plan and the sign that God has for your life will be fulfilled. You will see the hand of God in everything you do and in all your ways His light will shine. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. And now I encourage you to pray with your brother, to pray with your sister, to pray with your neighbor and declare blessings upon his or her life in Jesus' name. Lord, your peace will be in us. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Come on, open your mouth, open your lips and say, God, help us. We are a church that, that, that thrive. We are a church that move forward. We are a church, Lord, that is being le- led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Your cloud is upon us, Holy Spirit. Your presence is upon us. Now, in the name of Jesus, I, we take away any other cloud, any, any other cloud that's trying to, to take your place. God, in this place, there's space for only one cloud, and that's the cloud of the Holy Ghost. That's the cloud of the Holy Spirit. That's the cloud of the presence of the Almighty God that is upon us and goes before us. Times of victory, times of conquest comes to your life through, through the victory of the Spirit.
Through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Oof. Amen. And now God is dealing with your heart. So watch your heart. When you go home, take a look at your heart one more time and ask yourself, okay, how my heart was before coming to the church this morning and how I'm feeling right now. And you will find inside of you the peace of the Spirit, the love of God. And when you go home, you will give a, a huge hug and kiss to your children, to your wife, to your husband. And you will see God manifesting in your life and in your family. Because the same glory that is in this house, you will bring into yours. Amen? Amen. Remember my sister, remember my brother, you are the tabernacle of God, and the cloud is upon you. And God will lead each one of your decisions. Amen? Amen. Amen. So greet somebody. Greet somebody. Say, God bless. Thank you for coming to service.